0: of First Peter chapter 3, and we're going to be continuing our study there. Uh, while you're doing that, I want to mention too, uh, last week, as you know, Jim Keller was here who he spoke, and many of you enjoyed that, and uh, all of the books that he had brought with sold out, and some of you were asking about, uh, you know, getting books, you can do that on Amazon, and I was also told this morning you can actually download it on a Kindle too for just 99 cents. Uh, The Upside-Down Marriage. So you can either order the book or download it on Kindle if you'd like to do some additional reading on that. All right. Well, today we're going to be in 1 Peter 3, and we're talking about sharing the hope, sharing the hope of the Gospel. And I'd like to read this passage for us. Peter writes, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good, but even if you should suffer for what is right? you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Let's pray. Father, Your Word is just so practical. It again deals with all areas of life. We've talked about our relationships with those who do not know Christ or with our government, with uh, our boss, with the people that we work with or in our homes, in our marriage, in our family life. And now today, Lord, we're going to be talking about sharing that good news of the Gospel with those who do not know Your Son. And Father, would You give us boldness to do that? And give us wisdom that we might be a winsome witness for Christ. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the great privileges we have as Christians is the opportunity to share the gospel with those who don't know Jesus. And it is a privilege just to share that story, to sow the seeds of the gospel and to share the good news. But if we have the opportunity in doing that to see someone respond to the message... And come to know Christ, that is a great joy. Last week, we had a white rose up here for a middle school student who had come to know Christ. And I shared how this young gal had come to our open uh, youth center times after school, came with a friend, was building relationships and then started to come to our youth group on Wednesday night and then you know after a couple months uh, our leaders had had an opportunity to talk with her and share the gospel with her and she was ready and she prayed to receive Christ as her Savior and Lord and whenever I hear stories like that it's just so exciting to me to see God at work touching hearts changing lives bringing people into a relationship with his son And all of us who have come to know Christ in our own life, you know, remember, takes us back to how God worked in our heart, whether it was through parents or a friend or a leader or someone at church who shared the gospel with us. A couple of months before that, I had a young woman in our church come up to me and told me, you know, that this particular Sunday was the anniversary, it had been three years ago, she had asked Christ to be her Savior and Lord. And she had prayed with me uh, in the worship service when I had given an invitation at the end of the message. And the thing that you could see in her heart and in her eyes was just the joy that she had, the change that Christ had made. She had become a new creation in Christ. And when she looked back on her life, you know, and she saw this change that Christ had made, it was like, now I see, now I get it, now I understand the gospel and what God has done for me. And I never get tired of that. Do you? Not at all. When we hear those stories, and do you know what? Apparently God doesn't get tired of it either. Jesus said in Luke chapter 15, He said, I tell you that there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now that's pretty amazing. I mean, you you think about that. That's uh, uh, You know, whose joy is that that they are talking about there? Whose joy is that that is in the presence of the angels? That's God's joy. That is His delight at seeing people come into a relationship with His Son. Some of you have had that privilege. You share your faith regularly, and you look for those opportunities to do that. And you've had the opportunity to lead someone to Christ. And others may be thinking, you know, I'd really love to do that. I haven't had that opportunity yet. I would love that. Or maybe you're thinking, I don't know how, and I'd like to know what it is that I could do to be prepared. Well, that's what this message is about. That's why Peter wrote this particular instruction. You see, it isn't just pastors and evangelists that are to be messengers who share the gospel. It is the privilege and responsibility of every Christian to share the good news about Christ with those who don't know Jesus. It is our privilege. We go as an ambassador of the King of Kings. I mean, we are sent out as messengers to bear witness to what He's done in our life, to His love for us, and to what He can do in the lives of all who come to Him. And it is also our responsibility because it was Jesus who said to the disciples and to us that we are to go and make disciples of all nations. So how do we do that? What's involved in being a witness for Christ? Well, it starts with our life, and Peter emphasizes that, that we are to let our life be a witness for Christ. Let your life be a witness for Christ. In verse Verses 13 and following, you know, he says, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Don't fear what they fear. Don't be frightened. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Here are these simple instructions to do good, to live for Christ, and to do what is right. I mean, he's talking about those things all the way through his letter. You know, regardless of the work situation you find yourself in, regardless of maybe neighbors who are wondering and questioning, what is this Jesus thing? What is it that you are doing and following him? I want you to live for Christ. I want you to do what's right. And do you know what he says? If you do that, the likelihood of you suffering is very small. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? Most people. Most people will enjoy that, appreciate that about your witness and your character. And so again, here are these believers living uh, in what would be modern-day Turkey, but they are under Roman rule. Nero is the emperor at that time. There's suspicion of Christians by neighbors and friends and others who are looking at their situation. And what should we do, Peter, they're asking. And Peter comes back with these simple instructions to live for Christ to be honest, to be hardworking, to be a good friend or neighbor, to be respectful to your boss, to be kind, and to love one another. Let your light shine before men. And if you do that, again, the likelihood of you suffering and being persecuted is small, but even if you should suffer, then continue to do what is right because you will be blessed. Jesus himself said that in his Sermon on the Mount when he said that great is your reward in heaven when you live for him. Don't fear what they fear. Don't fear what the world fears. Don't be frightened. Instead, fear God, not man. And when he says, in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord, he's making a, a specific instruction there for these believers to acknowledge Christ as your Lord. Savior and Lord. Normally when we hear those words set apart, it's the word sanctify or generally it means to make holy. And you know, you read that and you go, well, how are we supposed to make Christ holy? That doesn't seem right. That's not the normal use of the word. Instead, what he is saying is that we are to acknowledge Christ as We are to acknowledge Him as Lord over everything in our life. Make that inner commitment in your heart that you will live for Christ and honor Him as Lord regardless of what the world around you does. Now that's the essence of what it means to follow Christ. We have come to believe that He is Savior and Lord. We've come to believe that there is salvation in no one else and that people need to know Jesus. And so now he is saying, I want you to give your highest loyalty to Christ, and I want you to live for Him regardless of what the world does. That's a challenge to students who are in our schools. That's a challenge to those of us who work in uh, places around the community and in the cities, to live for Christ in those workplaces in a way that honors Him. Set him apart as Lord over your time, over your money, over your marriage, your family, over your work, your leisure activities, and God will use you as a witness for Jesus Christ. Let me give you an example of that. When Gail and I were working with Campus Crusade for Christ, we had the opportunity to talk to college students just about every day. We'd have appointments, we'd meet with them often in the student union or places like that, and we generally would have another uh, student with us that we were discipling, and we'd have these conversations and have a chance to share the gospel. And sometimes it was just sowing the seeds, and other times we had the privilege to reap the fruit of that. And I remember one conversation I had with a young man whose name was Tom, a student there at Springfield College in Massachusetts, and when I shared the gospel with him and asked him if he had ever heard that before or if he was ready to respond to this invitation to receive Christ, uh, he, was, he was excited and he was ready to do that. And he prayed that day to ask Jesus to forgive his sins, to come into his life, be his Savior and Lord. And when I asked him why or how God had been working in his life to lead him to that point, uh, he shared that on the dorm floor where he lived there had been four other guys on that dorm floor that had become christians and he saw the change in their life and he wanted that too it was their corporate witness that really prepared his heart i mean you know there was such a difference in them he could see the fruit of the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and all of those qualities that he said you know i want to know jesus too in that way And he came to know Christ to begin to grow as a follower of Jesus. We've seen that with our students bringing friends, just like the example I shared. We've seen it with kids who bring other kids to Awana. And we've also seen it with our adults. Uh, It's been fun, you know, at the men's retreat, there are times when men have invited another guy to come along who's just, you know, a... not sure of his relationship with god or maybe they're seeking and they come and they hang around a bunch of men from our church for a few days and and it just is a powerful witness for christ the same things happen at the women's retreat and it's, those are great opportunities if you've been building a relationship with someone who doesn't know jesus yet to invite them to come and to experience that and to just be around those who love christ and see the difference that he's made in our life there is also a time peter tells us though when we need to share the gospel with words we are to live a life devoted to christ but there comes a time when we are to be a witness with our words and that's what this second point says let your words be a witness for christ Paul wrote in Romans 10, verse 14, he said, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them or telling them about Christ? He's looking at the nations, all of these unreached people groups that there are around the world, and he's saying, how can they come to know God if they've never heard of Jesus? And how are they going to hear about Jesus unless someone Brings them the news of the gospel. That's what's so exciting when God is raising up from our church people like Nathan and Christina to go to Panama with Reach Global. Or when you think of Blake and Melody feeling called now to Indonesia to go and to bring the good news to people who have not heard about Jesus before. There comes a time when we need to use words. And so Peter writes that we are to always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. That word answer in Greek is the word apologia, and it means defense. Apologetics comes from that, and apologetics is our defense of the faith, or our defense of the gospel. And Peter's instruction here could apply to the courtroom. You know, if these guys were being brought in before the authorities to testify, just like Peter and John were before the Sanhedrin, He's saying, Don't worry about it. God is going to be with you. He's going to give you the words to say, but be prepared in your heart to do that. And in the same way, it could be just uh, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> it could be just a friend who is asking you a question about your life and the change that they see. And we should always be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in Christ. You know, when I think about that verse, it is kind of interesting that the way Peter writes it, it's, he says, you know, when someone asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, then be ready. Now, that doesn't happen very often, does it? I mean, have you had that happen in your life where someone has looked at your life and then asked you, you know, why the difference? What's the change there? It really um, should encourage us to live lives that are distinctly Christian so that people can see the difference in us, so that we're not just like the world around us, but we are living in such a way that people see that difference, and a difference not in a way that's weird, but in a way that is good, a way that's attractive to the world with those qualities of peace and joy and love and patience and kindness. You know, the first time that happened to me was back when I was in college. I was living in a dorm. We were in a suite. I had three roommates uh, in that suite. And uh, the four of us were, were there. Two of the guys I had actually led to Christ, and these were guys that I was discipling in a small group. And during the course of my junior year, one of the guys needed to move out. He was going to be doing his student teaching. And so he needed to move out. There was going to be an opening in our suite. And we were praying about that. We just said, Lord, you know, why don't you bring in here whoever you want. We didn't have a specific request or somebody that was going to move in. We just said, God, you know, we just trust you and bring in the person that you would want to have in this situation. And so God brought into our suite a, a young guy named Chuck. And Chuck was from Argyle, Minnesota, about eight miles from where I had grown up. And we had actually met once who really didn't know each other very well, but we had met once, and he moved in, and we became friends. Uh, we started doing things together, you know, we were just having a good time uh, there, and uh, both uh, going to classes, sometimes those paths crossed, and other times it was just doing fun activities on campus. And we were living for Christ. We weren't. Sharing the gospel. We weren't being pushy or doing anything like that. We just were letting our life shine. And after about two months, three months in that situation, Chuck came to me one day. No one else was in the suite. And he came up to me and he said, Rick, he goes, What gives? What gives? There's something different about you guys. And what is it? And I had the opportunity to sit down with Chuck and to share the gospel and to talk about Christ. that the difference was that Jesus Christ had changed our life. And there was a hope that we had, and there was a direction that we had, there was a peace that we had, all because of Jesus, who had forgiven our sins, and we had surrendered our life to him. And when I shared the gospel with Chuck that day, you know, he was just so open. And he wanted to know Jesus in that kind of personal relationship, too, and he prayed to receive Christ as his Savior and Lord. And it has been a real joy to see how God has continued to work in his life through the years. When you look back on that, and you think about those opportunities that God gives us, if someone asked you to give an answer for the hope that you had, would you be ready? I want you to think about these questions. I mean, if someone were to ask you why you are a Christian, what would you say? what would you say to them? What answer would you give? Or if they asked you why you believe the Bible is true, how would you answer that? Or if they wanted to know Christ as their Savior and Lord, what would you tell them? What does somebody need to know to place their trust in Christ as their Savior? And those are good questions to think about. They're the kind of questions we should be able to answer. And, you know, if you struggle with any of those, that's why we offer classes like the Truth Project to help you to understand a Christian worldview or to be grounded in terms of your faith. That's why we have classes like Christianity Explored or Discipleship Explored that can help get you into the Word and understand what the Gospel is all about. And there are different ways that you can share that good news. It can be as simple as John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. You can share the good news of the gospel just using a simple verse and telling how it's changed your life. You can take them to the Romans Road, and I've shared that before. You know these verses, Romans 3.23, that... Uh, All have sinned and fall short of the glory glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5.8, that God demonstrates His own love to us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or Romans 10.9 and 10, that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. For it is with our heart that we believe and are justified, and it's with our mouth that we confess and are saved. And you can you can memorize those verses, you could know that, you could explain that to someone what each of those things mean. You can use your personal testimony, your story. Or you can use a gospel tract, and we have those out in the floor as well that you can take that can help you to explain the gospel clearly to someone who has a question. Those are tools that we use. You know, but the most important thing is to pray, to look for those opportunities, and to point people to Jesus. Because it's not about us, it's about Jesus. And the other thing that I think is good for us to remember is that, you know, you don't have to share it all at one time. Sometimes the opening is ripe, and the person is ready to hear, and you can go through and explain the Gospel very clearly. But sometimes you're just one step along the way and you're just sowing some seeds and you're just encouraging people to check it out. Maybe to get a Bible, to begin to read, to look at the Gospel of John or the Gospel of Mark. Maybe it's an invitation to come with you to church or a small group and they begin to hear and seeds are planted. And then maybe, maybe, you will be the person who will have that opportunity to pray with them as they come to that point where they are ready to receive Christ. That's our desire. That's our hope. And then thirdly, Peter reminds us that when we share the good news, we are to share the gospel with gentleness and with respect. With gentleness and respect. Look at verse 15 again. He said, In your hearts set apart Christ as Lord, And always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. You know, he's reminding us that there are going to be some people that aren't going to understand, or they're not going to be ready to hear. And they may make fun of you. They may think this is foolish what you are doing. They may slander you and accuse you of even doing wrong or of being judgmental or bigoted or all kinds of things that can be thrown out there today. And Peter says, I want you to respond with gentleness and with respect. Gentleness means that we share the gospel in meekness and humility. We remember that we are sinners too. And we are just helping someone come to know Christ in the way that we have as well. Christians aren't better than anyone else. We are just forgiven. And I think it's very important that when we are sharing Christ with someone that we make sure that our attitude is right that we come across in a way that is loving and concerned and eager to share, that we really care about people, that you know we're not looking down on anyone, this is not uh, something that we are to do, uh, we're not to be condescending in tone, all those kind of things don't fit with the Gospel. As if the grace of God has changed our heart, then we want others to know Jesus too. If He's done this work in our life and we really get it, and we understand that people are lost without Christ, we'll want them to come to know Jesus as well. Meekness isn't weakness. We can be bold and meek. The apostles were. They stood their ground. They preached Christ. They died for what they believed in. But they spoke the good news with grace and with compassion. I like how the NIV Study Bible says in a footnote on this passage, It says that the Christian is always to be a gentleman or a gentlewoman, even when opposed by unbelievers. Our apologetic answer is always to be given with love, never in degrading terms. Our answer is to be given in love, with hope, and with encouragement. This week, there was a debate that took place between Ken Ham and Bill Nye, over questions of the Bible and science. I didn't have the opportunity to watch it. Uh, Pastor Jason did, and he was telling me about it. And he said one of the things that he really appreciated in that debate was that both of them spoke with respect. And that's important, you know, rather than uh, situations come up at times where you feel like there's just name-calling or personal attacks, and they focused on the issues and the the questions like jason uh shared with me he felt like where ken ham made his point is when it comes to the origins and how did all of this get here i mean where did it come from where did matter come from the beginning where did you know our moral conscience where did our soul come from where did all of these things that are part of this present world come from and all bill and I could say was we don't know we don't know we don't know And Ken Ham would say, well, you know, there's a book that tells us about that, about uh, the origin of all things, and that's the Bible. And there were times when Bill and I raised questions of science that it is hard to answer in a brief time, but there are answers, and there are different ways of looking at things in our world. But it was interesting um, to hear that discussion and to think that those guys were able to do that with respect. That's what God wants us to do when we are being a witness for Christ. Or I think a a couple weeks ago when the Grammy Awards took place on on, uh, television here, um, I didn't watch it. What I saw afterwards was, though, an interesting story about Natalie Grant. And Natalie Grant is a Christian vocalist. She was nominated for two Grammy Awards. And she went to the Grammys really wanting to be a witness for Christ. She was there, and she and her husband went, you know, and... And they're watching the show, and what unfolded was described as pretty crude and lewd and offensive to Christians. Even to the point of uh, having a marriage ceremony in the middle of it by Queen Latifah marrying a number of people that were there as well, and you're kind of wondering, okay, how does this fit into the Grammy Awards, you know, and what's the point here? And finally, it just came to the point where uh, Natalie Grant just... She and her husband walked out. They just couldn't take it in their spirit and soul anymore. But what she posted on Facebook afterwards was really gracious. She was asked why she had walked out. Some people wanted to know what she was thinking, and she said this. She said, we left the Grammys early, and I have many thoughts about the show tonight, most of which are probably better left inside my head. But I'll say this. I've never been more honored to sing about Jesus and for Jesus, and I've never been more sure of the path I've chosen. You know, I thought that response was really powerful and very gracious. She didn't respond in a way that uh, condemned or would strike back or anything at all like that. She just kept those thoughts to herself, but she did say, I've never been more proud to sing for Jesus or more sure of the path that I've chosen. And I think God was honored by that. I think that's part of what it means to be gentle in our witness. There's a place where now, for Natalie, if other artists or musicians would come to her and say, Natalie, tell me a little bit more about that, she can do that. She could tell the rest of the story of what God has done in her life. And and who is Jesus? And why are you honored to sing for Him? Now let me tell you about that. You see, it's not our job to convert anyone. You know, we can't twist somebody's arms or push them into the kingdom. It is God's work to change hearts. We are just the messenger. And I think back to the training that we had with Campus Crusade for Christ. We would use this saying that success in witnessing is simply sharing Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. Our part is to be faithful, to go and to tell and to share the good news of the gospel. But all we can do is pray that the Holy Spirit will use His Word and open the eyes of people to see that they might come to know Christ. Conversion is God's work. So how do we do that? How do we share Christ in a way that's effective? Well, we do these three things that Peter instructed us to do here. We let our life be a witness for Christ. We live in a way that honors Him. We let our words be a witness for Christ and we make the gospel clear or plain when we have opportunity to share the good news. And thirdly, when we do that, we share the gospel with gentleness and respect, praying that God will open their hearts and bring them to Christ. So here's my encouragement for you. Would you pray about that and look for an opportunity even this week? Maybe there's somebody that God is bringing across your path that you could build a relationship with, or maybe you have been doing that, and pray for a time when they might ask the question or when there would be an opening in the conversation, that you could tell them about Jesus and take the initiative to do that. Let's pray. Father, you've called us to be your witnesses in this world, and what you've called us to do, you will enable us to do. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be open that our eyes would be alert to see the needs of the people around us, and sometimes there are just opportunities when we can pray with them, we can help them, we could serve, we can be a friend, and then, Lord, we pray that that day might come when we could make the Gospel clear. Father, thank You for what You're doing through the people who are part of our church, and just, I pray You'd continue to bless them in the workplace, empower them to live for Christ, And help us, Lord, to be that kind of effective and fruitful witness for you. In Jesus' name, amen.